0: I need these. Well, it's good to see you guys here today. You know, I'm just sitting there listening to that song and just thinking about how, uh, how thankful I am for all the many blessings that God has given to me. And I want to just encourage you today and, and other days that, that I would urge you just to stop and just think about those all the goodness that He's given to you, all the blessings, all the things that you might not even know about that He's done for you. And I think so many times in our lives we get to the point where we just kind of just go through life, we're on kind of cruise control. And we forget to have an attitude of gratitude towards Him. So before we start our service, I want to encourage you just to, do that I just want you to thank him for whatever comes to your mind and just say we want I, father I just want to thank you for your blessings I want to thank you for your salvation I just want to thank you for that you are an awesome God so let's take a few minutes to pray and then uh, then we'll start okay let's pray Father God, I just, just come to you today as we start this service. Of uh, I just want to thank you, Father. Thank you for your salvation that you have provided through your Son. Father, I thank you for those that have been saved in this building right now. here, God. I just, I thank you for them that the, deci- the decision that they made long ago, Father, still stands true in their hearts right now. Father, I want to thank you for just getting us up today. Father, I thank you for this place of worship that we can come and gather. I thank you for believers that, that have a, a like expression of love for you, Father, and a bond that we have. Father, I thank you for that. Father, I thank you for the love that you have given to us. I thank you for your holy word, Father that we can study and learn. I thank you, Father, that you tell us that we are to, to strive to know more about you. And as we strive to know more about you, your word tells us just you will teach us. You will teach us. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit who, who speaks truth to us and guides us down the paths of righteousness, Father. Father, we have so many things to be thankful for. Our Father, I pray that we will never be too busy in our lives to just pause and say thank you Father. Father, continue to put into us an attitude of gratitude, Father, that when the things that we see, just even the small things in life, Father, that, that we take so many times for granted, uh, I pray that you will remind us in our spirit, Father, to say thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray these things in your holy and mighty name. Amen. Amen. We'll be in Ephesians if you want to turn there. Uh, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Um, if you get a chance after the service, we've got, we've got, some, got some visitors here. And uh, uh, make sure that you extend the right hand of fellowship to them. If somebody you don't know, just go tell them who you are. Don't scare them away. Uh, one guy, I, I, I shouldn't do this. I probably shouldn't. But uh, one of our visitors, his name is Deuce. I absolutely love that name. Okay? I absolutely love that, I, Deuce. Can you imagine being called Deuce? I think I'm going to change my name. I am now Pastor Deuce. Okay, from here on out, Deuce Lacy. That's just got a ring to it. I, don't you think, Ron? I mean, no. <laughs> Sorry, Deuce. I've just met you today, and I'm picking on you. But I love the name, brother. Love the name, Deuce Lacy. I, I, it's got a ring to it. It sure does. We're in Ephesians four, if you want to turn. I don't know where they came from, but. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. What a great promise. When you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, did you know He gave you a new heart? He gave you a new heart that pursues the things of God in your life. And He also gave you a new heart that would run away from sin in your life. We know because we have been born again that He has given each of us as Christians a new passion, a new plan, a new priority, and a new purpose in life. What a blessing that is. And because of that blessing, how are we supposed to live our lives accordingly? Uh, today and for the next few weeks, we're going to uh, start just a little bit of a series in Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5. So, so it, uh, you know, if you want to do your homework, I would read up on those, those, those chapters here in the next couple weeks. And, and I'm going to call this series A Picture of a Christian. A Picture of a Christian. What should our life live look like? What, how, how, does, how does that Christianity flesh out uh, with other people? What does it look like? What, if, if we took a picture of a Christian, does your picture look like what a Christian should look like? So we're going to look at that for the next uh, couple of weeks. I'm not sure how many weeks, but uh, that's kind of where we're going today. The, today, the, the title of the message is Unity Among Believers, and we will, we will get there in just a minute. But before we kind of get started, I just want to remind you about how how good God is to you, how how God has really blessed you uh, as as Christians. And sometimes we forget to think about how how He's been so so good to us. But I want to just give you a few today, just kind of remind us before we really kind of get going about this picture of a believer. And just remind us, mind you how good God has been to you. You know, God through His Son, Jesus Christ, did you know He says that we have received the righteousness of Christ, which means we are right with God. And the opposite of being right with God would be in opposition to God. Who wants to be in, op- in opposition to God? When we got saved, the Bible says that Jesus gave us His righteousness, right with God. And what did He do? He took our sins and took them upon Himself and paid the debt that is something to be thankful for I'm telling you God through his son Jesus Christ gave us a substitute for our sins we don't have to pay the penalty for our sins do we Jesus on the cross took our punishment on the sin, on the cross so that we would never have to pay for our sins I don't know about you but that's something to be thankful for I sure would not would not want to have to pay for the sins of my life what a great substitute He gave us. God through His Son Jesus took away the sting of death. Did you know that? The sting of death has been removed from all Christians because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is a huge blessing. We know that God through His Son Jesus has assured us that when we pass from this, O earth, that we have a home in heaven. What an assurance that is! I mean, that is something really good. We don't have to live this life for the first 70, 80, 90 years wondering what's gonna happen to me when I take my last breath here on this earth. God through his son Jesus said, I will give you eternal life. Last breath here, first breath in heaven. That's something to be excited about. That is because we are right with God. God through his son Jesus says, one day, one day we will live in a perfect environment that says there is no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more sin. We don't have to deal with any of that. And we will live with him forever and forever in a place called the new heaven and the new earth. You know, I can't imagine just If you just stop and think about each one of those. Each one of them is such an awesome blessing to us of what God has done for us. I mean, he didn't have to do that, did he? He didn't have to do any of that. I mean, at one time, we were all sinners, and we are all on a road to destruction. But we're not anymore because we're believers. And He's blessed us because of that. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 3, He said, He's given us all spiritual blessings that we will ever need. All spiritual blessings that we will ever need. Maybe not financial blessings, (laughs) Maybe not secular blessings, but he's given us every spiritual blessing that we will ever need. What an awesome God that we serve. What an awesome God that we serve who would do that just for us. And if he's done that just for us, what should our response be to that as Christians? What is our response when we understand what God has done for us? Do we just sit there in a the pew and go, well, that's great. Appreciate it, God. What's our response? How, how should we respond to the awesomeness and the greatness of the holy God that we serve? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. That's kind of where we're going to go. What is our response as Christians to the goodness that God has bestowed upon us? In Ephesians 4, one is where we will start And Paul is writing here, and he's a prisoner of the Lord. and I mean, he's probably in chains at this point. And he says, I implore you, I encourage you, I I just push you on, Christian, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called. I want you to walk, that word walk means to live, in a manner worthy of the calling. When you became a Christian, did you know you carry around the name of Jesus You bear the name of Jesus in your life. When you submitted your life to him and you became obedient to him, we walk around with that. That's who we are as people. We understand that we have been forgiven because we're Christian. We have been forgiven, we have been redeemed, we have been chosen, we've been adopted, we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's something to be thankful for. And if that is the case, And if that's who we are, and that's who I am, and that's who you are, then, and then, our life must be a life that honors God and honors our Lord. We must live a life accordingly. We must give, our life must be able to honor Him and give Him glory in every aspect of our life. At work, we should glorify God. Our life should be seen as one who is a believer. At work, at play, at school, within the home setting, our life should give glory to God. When we're around friends and relationships and people, and even at church, even at church, the way we act and the way we behave and the way we speak, because we are a Christian, our life should reflect that, and and our life should show others that we're willing to give glory to honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every aspect of our lives should be able to give glory and honor to God. We are called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling as Christians. And then the next verse, he goes on to tell us what's that kind of gonna kind of look like, Christian. And it says this. It says, with all humility... And gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Let's take those here just real quickly. With all humility. To offer oneself in lowliness and submissive. That's one one definition I got. To live a life of lowliness. Well, that's exciting, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's exciting. I just, that just brought a whole bunch of amens on that one. Okay? To live with all humility. Do you, do you mean that we are to live a life that says, poor, poor, pitiful me? No. Do we live a life that says, I, I want to be a doormat for the rest of my life and just let people? No. I believe it's a life that understands how undeserving I have been in Him giving me my salvation! It's a life that says, "I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve to be blessed. I don't deserve all the goodness of God has in my life." And I understand that, and I'm going to live accordingly. We had a great example of this last week. Uh, anybody watch the Super Bowl? I did. I know some of you did. Okay. The MVP of the Super Bowl, the most valuable player of the Super Bowl, was a guy by the name of Cooper Cup. He was the MVP of the Super Bowl. He was the most decorated receiver in football history. He did things that no one else has done on the football field. Cooper Culp. And when they gave him his MVP award and he's getting the Super Bowl trophy, he doesn't be bop up there and say how good he is and look at me and who I am. What did he do? He gave God the glory. He said, I can't do this without God in my life. I understand where my strength comes from. I understand where my ability comes from. It comes from God, and He's blessed me with whatever He wants to bless me with. There wasn't any pride in that and any uh, greed in that. It was a completely, a perfect picture of a very humble man because he understood that his ability came from holy God. He understood that he did not deserve the salvation that he was living in right then. And he just humbly accepted the reward, deflected any praise and glory, and just goes on about his business praising God. That, my friends, is a way humility is supposed to look like in the real world. We know uh, the opposite of humility is pride and arrogance and boastfulness. And the Bible tells us about pride. It says God hates it. He hates pride. He hates arrogance in the life of a person. He hates this boastfulness that I'm a little better than anybody else. I wonder why that's like that. Is there anything really wrong with that, thinking you're pretty special? Well, here's why God hates pride in a person's life and He wants humility in a person's life. You see, the thing that cost Satan Thousands and thousands of years ago from a home in heaven to be thrown down in this earth to create all this mess that we've got right now. You know why he had to leave heaven? Because of pride. Because of pride. He wanted to be God. He thought he was better than God. He thought, ah, look at me. I want God's spot. And pride caused him to be thrown down into this old world and look at the havoc that he's created. You see God hates pride. He doesn't want pride in the life of a Christian. The Bible says when we are weak, I am strong. Did you know that? What's he talking about there? When I'm weak. Paul says, he writes it, 2 Corinthians 12:10, "When I am weak, I'm also strong." When I am weak, when I am humble, when I'm living a life of humility, and I struggle with life in my own flesh. But I get strong now because now I depend on God. Now I have a dependence on God's strength. When I am at my weakest and when I am at my flesh and I can't do what I, what I would like to do. Paul says then I'm strong because, because I'm depending upon the Lord. That is a picture of humility, ladies and gentlemen when I am depending upon God and not in my own strength to do whatever I choose to do. You know, Romans tells us that God, when we are at our weakest and He gives us that strength that we need and we just, we just don't know how we're going on, He will empower us through our spirit to be what, what Paul says in Romans, to be more than conquerors through Him that loves me. You see, we get strength from being weak we get strength from being humble to be walking in a spirit of humility and when we were walking and living our lives that way we now are drawing upon God to supply our strength and our needs and because of that we can walk in a manner worthy of his calling the second thing we see there in verse 2 besides with all humility living with all humility it says, we will also live with all gentleness and meekness. Boy, that's a word that we all want to hear, isn't it? That's another one. That's a, you, you know, guys are going, you want me to be what? Gentle? Meek? Nah, i got to be macho. Paul says, if I want to walk in a manner worthy of calling, I will walk in a spirit of gentleness. A spirit of gentleness is a heart that a person has that loves people, that pursues peace with other people. It's a heart that, that it says that I want to be friends with people, and I want to be able to help others as much as I can help them. It's a heart that says I, I do not agree with injustice. I do not agree with that. And matter of fact, it is a heart that says that that I might become very angry when I see injustice and evil and people being put down there's nothing wrong with with righteous indignation there's nothing wrong with bible if it's under control with that anger it's under control it's a life that has a person that has a heart that says i forgive and i don't hold a grudge that's a gentleness we don't want to do that sometimes it's a heart that, in a man that says i care about you it's a heart that says, I'm going to rejoice when you rejoice. When something good happens to you, I'm going to be happy for you. And when something bad happens to you, I'm going to be sad because of that. I'm going to have a heart that's sympathy, a heart that has empathy. It's a person that has a heart that, that looks at others and sees them more important than yourself. man. That's what he says. If you want to walk in a manner worthy of his calling, that's the kind of heart that you're going to have. You're going to have a heart of gentleness and of meekness. And you're going to care for people and you're going to love people and you're going to want to help people. And you're going to reach out to other people. 1 Peter 3, 4 says this. "Let Let it be the hidden person of the heart. With the imperishable quality of a gentle and a quiet spirit. And the Bible says, which is precious in the sight of the Lord. Which is precious in the sight of the Lord. You see, he he wants us to be that way, doesn't he? He wants to love other people and to care and to help and to reach out and help carry the burdens of other people. Is that gentleness? Is that meekness? I think it is. Is that something bad for a man to be able to do or a woman to be able to do? No. No. God's Word says it's it's built into your heart. And when you have it, it is precious in the sight of the Lord to be that way. Is that a picture of you? Are you walking in a manner worthy of calling with humility and gentleness? And then the next thing it says, with patience. Oh, boy. With patience. (laughs) With patience. I want patience, but I want it now. Okay, you've heard that. There's a joke about a couple of buzzards sitting up on a fence. You might have seen that. One buzzard said, I'm hungry. Another one says, I, I know what we're going to do about it. He said, I ain't waiting. I'm going to go kill something. He, he didn't have any patience. We we're called to have have patience. Patience is bearing up with a burden. Patience is a steadfastness in difficult situations. Steadfastness is a person who keeps his temper under control. Longer than he really wants to. <laughs> okay, those are some of the definitions that I found. A person is to be slow to anger and patience. James 1, 19 and 20 says this, and he's talking about Christians. He said, Christians, I want you to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. You see, slow to speak, slow to, slow to anger, because it does not achieve the righteousness of God. You see, the Holy Spirit puts patience in us because it is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Did you know that? And as He is dealing with us and trying to teach us and show us what patience is in the life of a Christian, He's trying to mold us to be a person that looks more like Jesus Christ in our lives. He wants us to be more like Christ in our lives. And he wants us to live a life that brings glory and honor to him. And as he's shaping us and trying to, trying to, if you would, stick patience in there where we don't want patience. He's just saying, I just want you to be who God wants you to be. To be just like Christ in your life. So that your life can honor him. You know, the opposite of patience is agitation or being agitated all the time being discouraged and maybe even revenge you know God doesn't want his children to be agitated he wants his children to live in peace did you know that he wants us to live in peace God doesn't want his children to be discouraged he said I want you to live in hope I want you to be able to praise God doesn't want his children to be seeking revenge all the time he wants you to be seeking love all the time That's how the world will know if you are His children by the way in which you love. James 5.7 says, Be patient, brethren, that's Christian, till the coming of the Lord. James 5.8 says, You too be patient. Strengthen your heart for the coming of the Lord is near. He will give you patience if you just let Him. Are you willing to walk a life with humility, with gentleness and meekness and patience. Paul says if you're willing to do that, then you will be walking in a manner worthy of your calling, your calling of Christ, a calling of your Christianity. That is a picture of a Christian's heart and a Christian's attitude. To be humble, to be gentle, to be patient with all. Verse 3 then says, kind of, kind of moves on from that. He says, because of that, because you are walking in a manner worthy of the calling, he says, I want you to be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and a bond of peace. We are called as Christians to be united. When I asked the Wednesday night group, what should we be praying for this year? The very first thing that came up was to be unified, to have unity in the body. They thought that was the most important thing, and, I, and I, believe, I believe that it is. You know, as a Christian, we are to be unified with other Christians. Did you know that? We are to love other Christians. We're going to spend eternity with each other. We're called to love each other. The color of the skin should not matter to a born-again believer. Okay. The financial status of a person should not matter. The social status of somebody should not matter. Political status should not matter between Christians. Because you see, God doesn't see any of that. God doesn't see color. And as Christians, we are to be united with with other believers. We are called to love each other. We are called to love those people that are sitting beside us today. We are called to love those people that are sitting on the other side of the church today in different pews We are called to love those people, even though they might not belong to this church. But if they have been born again, Paul says, and I would say, we are to be loving them and to be unified with them. You know, the devil, he doesn't like any of that, does he? The devil wants to divide. He will do anything he can to divide your household. Christian, He'll do anything he can to split a church. He'll do anything he can to ruin a relationship with other believers. We must be aware of that. We must be on guard of that. And we must be diligent to preserve the unity that he's called us to have. And then in the next two verses, he, he tells us why we should be united he tells us why, as you as a Christian, should be loving other Christians. What is the common denominator that Christians have? What is this one thing that I've got, that you've got, that, that holds us all together, if you would? We see these in verse 4 through 6. There's seven of them there, and I'll move through them real quickly. Those things that keep us glued together, if you would. And there's absolutely no reason for Christians to ever be at odds with each other. Because here are the things that we all possess. In verse 4 it says there is one body. If we have been born again and we truly accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, we are the body of Christ. Christ. We are who we are. Now, we might not believe, we might not be Baptist, we might not be Methodist, we might not be Presbyterian or whatever. We might differ in our interpretations of what the Bible says. Okay? That's okay. The only common denominator is we are the body of Christ. The common denominator is that we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And all these other things, all these outside things, really don't make a difference except if you've been born again. We are the body of Christ. There is one body, and that is Christians. And when I was looking at that and thinking about that, that is uh, my friends in Zimbabwe. Those guys that I know in Zimbabwe, I will spend eternity with them. They don't look like me. They don't speak like me. But you know what? They have one thing in common. They've all been born again. And we will spend eternity together. There is one body for Christians. The second thing he says there is there is one body and there is one spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. When we, got, when we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, what happened? The Holy Spirit came into our being to lead us and guide us and direct us. Romans 8.14 says this. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There is one Spirit. You've been born again, Holy Spirit indwells your life. Indwells my life, indwells your life. We have one Spirit that we uh, listen to, if you would, and that is the Holy Spirit. We are the body of the Christ. We have one Spirit, and then it says we have one hope one hope that word hope does not mean yeah maybe could be might happen that hope means it is a quiet confident assurance that God will do what he says he will do that is our hope and our hope is in Jesus Christ when we think about that hope in Christ He said, what did he say? I'm going, but I'm coming back. I'm preparing a place for you, Christian. And where I am, there you will be also. That is, man, I hope that is the case. No, that's not the hope. That is a confident assurance, quiet assurance, that God is going to do exactly what he said he would do. When he said, when I move from this world to my next world, that I will be, as a believer, I will be in heaven forever and forever. I understand that, that is an assurance that He has given to us one hope, and that is a quiet assurance that God will do what He said He would do. Believers, do you believe that? Christian, do you believe that? That when God says it, it is settled, and He's going to do it. Get Yeah, you bet. The next thing we see from hope is there is one Lord. there's one Lord. The world will tell you there's many lords. The world will tell you that uh, uh, we, we, uh, we worship a lord and his name is, and just fill in the blank. He has a different name than what you might call him, but it's, just, uh, but it's the same God. And I'm here to tell you, no, it's not. Because you see, the lord that I serve had a son who came onto this earth Lived a perfect life. Gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross for you and I. And three days later, he bust out of that, that tomb. That tomb is empty today. It will always be empty because he is not there. Because the Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession for you and I. See, that's the Lord I serve. Other religions, other denominations might have a different name for God. And they say that's the same one. No. Their prophet, their leader has all been dead. They're sitting in a grave somewhere. Their tomb is filled up. The God I serve, his son is gone because he's the resurrected Savior. Don't let the world fool you and say just because I give a different name to God that we're speaking of the same God. No, you're not. Don't let them fool you. There is one Lord. Number five, it says there is one faith. There is one faith. We talked about this last week. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Nobody. Don't let the world fool you. There's not a thousand ways to get to heaven. There's only one. And that's the one I serve. Christians, that's who you serve. The way, the truth, and the life. And that is Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you any different. Because that's not the way it is. Then he says there's one baptism. When you got saved... When you got saved and you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you you told the world that you are a born-again believer. And how did you do that? You did it through the baptism waters by being dunked. One baptism. If you got baptized before you were saved, you need to be baptized again. If you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior and you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized That's just the the next step from, from acceptance to baptism. Only needs to be once. You're telling the world, hey, I choose to follow my Jesus. And the last bonding thing that we see there, he says there's one God and one Father. There's one God and one Father. We serve the God who created the heavens and the earth. We serve the God who hung the stars in heaven, and counted them and gave them all names, it says. He's the the God who said, Atlantic Ocean, this is as far as you're going to go. Pacific Ocean, this is as far as you can go. He's the God who controls the wind and the rain and the hail. He controls the snow. He controls everything that goes on in this world. That is the God that we serve. And He is an awesome God. There is one God and one Father. One Father who loves us unconditionally. One father who said, I will send my son to die for you. One father who says, no matter what you do, I still love you. One, one father who says, even if you do not believe in me, I still love you and want you to come to me. That is the God that is the father that we serve. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator <laughs> between God and man. And that is Jesus Christ. You see, Christians, we have a lot in common with other Christians, don't we? And there is that list that says we have, this is what we have in common. We have, we, we, we have this, we are part of the body of Christ. And we all have this same spirit, the Holy Spirit. We all have the same hope that God's going to do exactly what he's going to do. We serve the, the same Lord. What a bonding that we should have. We have one faith, one baptism, one God. How could we ever as Christians ever be upset and be angry with other Christians? Because we have the same bonding. In all of us. And Paul would say, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of this calling. Christian, I want you to be humble in your approach to life. I want you to be gentle and meek. I want you to have patience. And when you are having those kinds of, of attitudes in your life, then he says, take it a step further. Be diligent to preserve the unity of your church, the unity of your home, the unity of fellow believers. And then you just look at that list in four through six and say, that's why. That's why. We serve a great God, don't we? Amen. Yeah, we do. Is that a picture of you today, Christian? That you're walking in a manner worthy of the calling? That you're humble and gentle and patient? And that you have, you have a love for each other, other believers? Because... We are the one body because we all serve the same God. We have the same spirit. We have a hope that's steadfast. You see, that's the picture of a, of a born-again believer as we live this old world. Okay? Ron? God's Word is so true, is it not? You know, sometimes He tells us things that we don't really want to hear. <laughs> I, I would prefer not to live a life of always having to be humble and gentle. And I for sure don't want to live a life having to be patient all the time. Not easy things, but that's what God's Word tells us to do. So Christian, as we look at a picture of your life, is that picture lining up with the picture of Christ in your life? That's what I'm going to ask you. When you put them side by side, you picture your life and a picture of Christ. Do they look the same? As we close our eyes and bow our head, we'll begin our invitation time. Just gonna ask you to let God speak to you today. If your picture doesn't line up with his picture, ask him why. Confess, clean it up, get rid of it. If you struggle with humility or gentleness or patience, I can tell you, he'll he'll help you with that. Give it to him. Ask him. Let him do something about it. Let him clean you up. As the piano plays.